Karina Pataki is the author of four books. She is a spiritual minister and is also a political refugee from Romania. And during her youth in Romania, she was identified as someone with exceptional abilities. And she remembers being exposed to different programs where she got to interact with some of the most advanced technologies that are known in the Romanian intelligence service and in the West are known as being associated with the Hall of Records in the Bujeji Mountains. You're listening to Exopolitics Today with Dr. Michael Sala, your source for the uncensored truth regarding the human, extraterrestrial, global, and political agenda. Click the like button and subscribe to this channel. And now, here's Dr. Michael Sala. Well, welcome, Karina, to Exopolitics Today. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for um, having me. What an honor to be with you, Dr. Sala. Um, you are a great man. So to be able to sit here across from you, um, it's such a pleasure and an honor. Thank you for having me. Well, you've had some exceptional experiences, and I know your background is is fascinating. I mean, uh, you are Romanian by birth, and at a very early age, uh, your birth circumstances were very, very unusual. So uh, maybe take us to the beginning. What was it about your birth that was so unusual and that made you a person of interest uh, eventually with the Romanian intelligence services? Yes, so um, I'm getting a lot of memories, um, things that I did not know before, but are coming back to the front front of my memories, and they are being collaborated by my parents. So um, this particular one that has to do with my birth, that is so interesting, what happened was I was born February the 6th. However, I was supposed to be born on the 1st. So what had happened was... Um, the evil ones or the ones that tried to stop my birth from happening to or to take me out uh, because of what I was sent here to do altered my timeline. So I was supposed to be on the born on the February the 1st. But what happened is I was born on the 6th. On the 1st, my mom's water broke. So here I was in my mom's womb for six days with absolutely no water. They transfer her transferred her to two separate cities where the doctors would not touch her. So when my mom told me about this situation, um, I, I spent time, I, you know, I ascended and I said, okay, what happened here? And I had a very clear, uh, Dr. Salon, a very vivid memory where I saw myself in the womb on February the 6th. The umbilical cord was completely dry. Um, it was wrapped around my neck, but it was completely utterly dry. Now from there, I was, I, I got out of that um, memory and I went into the memory of February the 1st when I was supposed to be born. Now I had two of my dear friends with me and um, they can collaborate this because they saw exactly what I saw before I even said anything. Now in that memory, all of a sudden, when I looked, I was in the fluid, I was in my mom's tummy. And when I looked at the umbilical cord, uh, the umbilical cord from probably about one inch or so from my, 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 my umbilical cord, it went into my mom, but then another one came out and it was very, very thick, probably this thick. It came out in front of me 
over my head and it attached to the back of my head. Now, what is interesting, this is when I heard very, very clear that they altered the day, the evil ones altered my timeline because they did not want me to be born. However, divine creator, Father God, allowed them to do this because had I been born on February the 1st, they, um, the doctors would have seen that and they would have taken me away. So, you know, there's a scripture that says that um, all things work together for good. So um, in that particular instance, what had happened because I was, uh, my mom's fluid, um, her water broke, her water broke on the first, my umbilical cord completely dried up. Now, the reason I was told the reason why the umbilical cord was, it was probably about um, almost five feet long. And then, like I said, it was quite t quite thick. The reason it was attached to the back of my head is because this time I was supposed to be born with all of my memories intact so that I can begin to do everything that I needed to do from, you know, from, um, from the moment that I, I was able to do everything that was put in front of me to be able to do. So this was very interesting because, again, they took my mom from, my mom had to go in two separate cities and two separate hospitals and they would not touch her until february the 6th and obviously she had a cesarean and by that time uh, the umbilical cord was completely dry and actually um the doctors told my mom that it's a miracle that we both survived so that was very very interesting dr salah especially seeing so clear and so vivid um these memories and my timeline being altered well that's very interesting so uh clearly in terms of uh your normal birth on February 6th. I mean, there was nothing exceptional about that because the umbilical cords were dried up and quite small. And you got those visions or those memories of mm -hmm. what could have been a birth five days earlier that you were supposed to be born where mm -hmm. these umbilical cords would have been much thicker and much more evident and, and kind of stood out. And and that's significant because we know uh, from the Transylvania Sunrise book series that uh, the main protagonist of that series, is his name is Caesar Brad, and, and he describes how at birth he was born with a very thick and very long um umbilical cord and the Romanian doctors were instructed to be on the lookout mm -hmm. for children born with that so so that's so that shows that the romanians understood the romanian intelligence services had instructed medical personnel to be on the lookout for people born with very unusual umbilical cords so so the, the vision or the memories that you got mm -hmm. of what would have been your birth suggests that you, you would have been identified you would have been taken away yes and um and your life would have been very different but because there was that five-day delay. Your mother's water broke, so you were in there for five days without the water uh, kind of uh, kind of providing fluid for the umbilical cords. Then everything appeared normal to the doctors. Yes, even though they knew that there is uh, there would have been a very slim chance of survival because of being with no water. Um, I mean, the doctor called the students and they all observed and they all looked at, you know, this birth. Um, but absolutely. And, you know, when I was 12 years old uh, living in Chicago, I actually ended up for uh, a week in the hospital and they ran tests on me. And this doctor, he was an elder Romanian Jewish doctor that was in charge. 
they put me through the only two tests I remember were the CAT scan that they did and then the one where um, uh, they attached all kinds of um, wire to my brain to my head mm -hmm. on the outside now what he said is that they found they saw a black spot or something they don't know what it was under cerebellum the part of my brain my head my brain in the back exactly where the umbilical cord was um was attached in my memory so there is that in writing um and the doctor just did not know what that was at that time so absolutely had i been born um uh, on the first they would have for sure taken me away <laughs> So this was definitely a protection. And throughout my story, there are two forces here that are at play. Um, there was very clear visible of the, the evil ones, if you would, the ones that were after me. And then there was another um, force that was good trying to protect me. So just throughout the story, as I will you know, share with you and with your beautiful audience, it was it's such it's so clear how I was protected from the ones that were trying to get to me including our um, exit from Romania. Yes, we will get to that. So uh, now when you were two years old, uh, you went to the Black Sea and you spent 12 days. Uh, now, can you describe what, what happened during those 12 days? You, you were without your parents? Or yes, yes. Explain that? This is very strange. Again, I have a memory of being small. I was in a crib. So uh, and because I was... Uh, during nursery in Romania nursery was 12 years and under and then you had first level kindergartens middle level kindergarten uh, uh, older level kin uh, kindergarten and then first grade so I remember being in the crib and my mom had to take my brothers to the Black Sea because the Black Sea was very much um, encouraged by doctors to take their children that had problems with respiratory or heart issues because of the mud or nutrients that was in it so I remember um, that I was not going because I had just come from the Black Sea with the nursery. So I, I knew this, but about three months ago, I, I called my parents and I said, explain to me what, what happened there. So this is what they said. When I was in nursery in Romania, um, from the nursery, they came to my parents and not only to my parents, there are other children in this uh, in the nursery. And um the leaders from the nursery came to them and said that the state paid is paying for the, these children again two years old and under to be taken to the black sea um by the school so the way they presented this to my parents in order for my parents to consent was that you know you um don't, will not have money more than likely to take your daughter to this amazing, she will not have this opportunity to be taken to the Black Sea because you know you don't have vacation and it's very expensive. So the state has paid for us to be able to take your daughter. So will you consent to letting us take her? Now, Dr. Sala Timisoara, which is the largest city in Romania, is on the western part of Romania, like middle western, and the Black Sea is all the way southeast. So that means that they traversed the country with two-year-old children so and i was gone for 12 days um and my dad said that when i came back my i was very dirty and my hair was extremely um not dirty but um stuck together like with substances it was just completely uh glued together now this is 
I don't have clear memories of this, but I know that this was part of the ones that were not good. They were trying to, not only me, um, I asked my dad if he remembers about how many children, probably between, we were between 10 to 12 of us that took us to the Black Sea. So again, we were, I was gone without my parents for 12 days. They transversed the country. And this is when I feel that this, these were not good. They were trying to find, uh, to do certain experiments and find um, the powers that I was carrying. So you were at that time only two years old. So somehow you stood out. Somehow they were able to identify at, at nursery that you had yeah. these abilities and that you were an exceptional child. And they presumably took you to the Black Sea for whatever testing, evaluation or whatever uh, they could do in that 12 days. Uh, so uh, was there anything that your parents said about your abilities in you know, at that age, at that time, that made you stand out? Yeah, I've always had, I've always had uh, very unusual abilities. I always saw um, uh, beyond what you would call the normal. I've always had, um, you know, at the age of nine and a half, what Christians would call prophet. Um, I walked in that mantle. So I've always had these spiritual abilities. Now you have to understand the sad part is, is that um, when my parents became Christians or born again, when I was seven years old, every ability that was not understood and that did not fit in the dogma of Christianity would have been deemed demonic. So my parents, so number one, I was very careful as I grew up, you know, I was very careful what I shared with my parents. And then my parents, whatever they saw in me, they were very careful not to bring it to the forefront because again, um, it would be, you know, cause my grandmother was Christian and, you know, very, very much so um, in the um, uh, charismatic Christian uh, faith and anything again that was not understood was deemed demonic so my parents were very careful but yes I've always had uh, very unusual abilities always always saw always heard always communicated with with God communicated with Yeshua um, I spent my nights literally not sleeping but communicating and engaging with heaven engaging with other realms so yeah absolutely um, and th this journey just started you know at, at that age at at two years old. So obviously they saw something to where they took me for 12 well, days. Yeah, well, clearly, uh, you know, there's the, the Christian uh, dogma deems any kind of uh, uh, advanced psychic ability as being demonic, whereas uh, the intelligence community see such abilities as very uh, exceptional and that they, they want people who have those abilities. So definitely you were in a very strange position. Yeah. So in, in 1978 now, you're, you're four years old, and again, uh, there's a, a visit to the Black Sea, and, and you disappear for two for two days. So what, what happened at that age? Yeah. Um, so at this time when I was four years old, we went as a family to the Black Sea. My parents had some vacation, and we went. So the strange thing is, Dr. Salah, um, on the first day that we got there, um, my mom loves the sun. She loved laying out in the sun. So the first thing in the morning after we had breakfast, we went out on the beach. And my older brothers, I have two older brothers. I'm the youngest of three. Um, and they were playing in the water. I didn't want to really get in the water. So I was playing at, um, at uh, you know, near, uh, in, not all the way inside the water. So, so at the waves, okay? I was playing there. And all of a sudden, I was playing and the water started taking me away. And when I looked back, I couldn't find my, my mom. I couldn't find my dad. I couldn't find my brothers. So I remember walking along the, um, the edge of the water 
And at first I was crying because I was scared, obviously. But then the next memory, Dr. Sala, I have is nighttime starts, the sun starts going down. And I see a statue of, you know, how you have at the ocean or the beaches or, um, of a octopus. And I go around the statue one time and all of a sudden I had a clear distinction that I had to turn around and find my parents. And to me, it seems like I walked maybe 20 minutes and I found my parents. Now, I want to make this point that in Romania during summer, the days are extremely long. So the sun does not start setting until about 10 or 1030. So you're talking about then from eight to 10 hours, I was gone. Now, the weird thing is my mom is a very cautious mom. And this is so strange because I talked to my parents and they did not even call the police. They felt such peace. And again, they're looking at it right now, looking back there, they feel like they've lost their mind because there was absolutely such a peace that came over them. It's like something took over their, their mind to where they were not panicked. Now here I was four years old and my mom is a very cautious mom. So for whatever it fell over them, for them not to freak out. Now they did look for me. So, and, and so Dr. Sala, imagine you are between eight to 10 hours in the sun. I would have been burned to a crisp and I was not. And um, I came back to my parents. Like I said, I, when I came to, I don't remember what happened in that hour. Uh, I'm, I'm getting some memories slowly in that eight to 10 hour. But when I came back, I saw myself, there was a statue again, like, um, um, an octopus. I went around it and immediately I knew that I had to turn what direction to turn, maybe walk 10 minutes, 20 minutes maximum. Um, my parents were there. Now this happened again. Um, not the day after, but the day next. So this was, I was lost within a three, three day period, two times, two times. Uh, so this happened not the next day, but the day after the exact same thing happened. Um, only I went in another direction. So, you know, I started getting some memories of where I was, but they're, they're just now coming, coming to the surface. Um, but I believe from the memories that I'm receiving that I definitely went underneath under, uh, in hollow earth and, and there's something there that I saw. And again, I'm still getting memories. Um, but then I'll share with you another memory that I had very strongly of the mountains where I got into the mountains and what I saw that I was doing. Okay. Well, yeah, that does sound like uh, maybe you kind of like walk through a, some sort of portal. And, and this is again, one of the abilities that the intelligence community is very interested in, in people, those that have this ability to turn portals on and off and to be able to walk through them. And, uh, and they seek that. I mean, it, and, uh, and we know this, you know, in, in various projects in the United States, they, they've had projects where they were using children for that reason because they knew children could more easily go through and come back through these portals as opposed to adults who, you know, who would die or, or get stranded or something. So it sounds like you, you were spontaneously able, able to do that at four years old. Now, if we kind of fast forward it a little bit to 1981, now your, your family is Christian, uh, uh, Romania at that time was uh, communist under the Nicolae Ceausescu regime, mm -hmm. and uh, your family tried to escape communist Romania. I mean, there were four of you. Uh, your your mother and uh, three children were tried 
tried to escape, you were part of a group of nine. So, yeah, can you tell us what what happened? Yeah, so um, we actually attempted to escape twice. The first time I was seven, seven years old, seven and a half years old, and it was my mom, my older brothers, uh, myself, and my dad with a, a couple that had a baby. So um, I want to uh, say something about this particular situation. So it, it's, you know, our, our two attempts to escape communist Romania, it's been heard throughout regions of Romania because of, of how supernatural and crazy and out of this world it was. Um, and the first time we lost my dad on the border, you know, he, he made it, but we lost him for three months. We don't know if he was dead or alive. Now, the second time, um, let me just pause on here. So after my dad, after we lost my dad, the, our first attempt, we had to return back to our home. Dr. Sala, I was seven and a half years old. We lived across from a little uh, park um, uh, from the building where we lived. And there were kids playing outside. And all of a sudden, my older brother, what happens is this man approaches my older brother. From all these kids, he goes straight to my older brother. And he says, um, he introduces himself from the intelligence department. And he starts asking him questions of where he lives. Now, let me let me explain something. When we came back and we lost my dad on the border and we did not know if he was dead or alive, if he had crossed over and made it or if he did not, we knew very, very well not to say a word to anybody because if the Securitate finds out, we would be in trouble. We would be imprisoned or killed. So all of us knew not to give any information to anybody. So here is this guy that comes up to my brother, my older brother, introduces himself as um, from the intelligence department, asks him, asks him questions about us, where we live, and he proceeds to ask, he said, so you have siblings? And my brother said, yes. And he said, and you have a sister? And my brother said, yes. Now, something came over my brother that he began to tell the guy that my dad escaped from Romania. Now, if this guy was from the Securitate Department, and if this was his um, desire to find out, we would have been in trouble. He did not care about my dad trying to escape. All he cared about was for my brother to give him information about his siblings, and particularly his sister. So he told my brother, I want you to please write a summary for me and meet me tomorrow. Gave him the place where to meet him. And I want the summary from you. Now, again, you know, you would think that my brother would have known better, but something came over him to where he did what this guy said. Obviously, well, the next day, my mom in, found the essay that my brother wrote. She involved the police. They uh, set up a sting operation. The guy wasn't there. So again, here we are at the age of seven, seven and a half, where a intelligence officer comes to look for me. Now, the second attempt, Dr. Sala, is when we were nine people. And I'm going to just relate to you just really some amazing things that happened. Um, th the whole story is so huge. It's so supernatural. Um, but I do want to say we were captured. We were captured um, at the border. Um, we walked 40 kilometers towards the Yugoslavian border where we saw the moon. And we knew that in a hill and over that hill is Yugoslavia. But there was a decision made by the other people in the group that uh, the daybreak is coming. So we should park it and 
go and sleep on the border in this very tall grass. And when we woke up, I woke up to um, a lot of screaming happening. And a farmer had stumbled over us and my uncle was part of the group said oh mister you know can you help us we we lost our way and you know we need to find our way back home he said oh i'll get you help dr sala of course when he he came back he came back with probably about 50 guards that were so what you would call demonized if if i can say that they were almost drooling at the excitement of finding us they came on horses they came with um with guns they came with long metal poles um desiring to to just it was i was so scared i started crying and i said i just don't want i said i don't want to feel i don't want to see my parents or my brothers being being killed now we were taken to that border patrol office right there and Dr. Salah, this is where something, a, a lot of amazing things happened, but I want to get to this, um, this particular thing. All of a sudden, probably a, we were closed in some cells. There were made, uh, there were very tiny cells and they were made all out of cement and uh, two metal benches. We were locked in there. And my mom, probably after a couple of hours, she, uh, um, the door gets opened. And we as the children, so me and my two brothers, are allowed, Dr. Sala, the cherry trees were in full, you know, the cherries were full on the trees. We as children were allowed to go outside. The, uh, the soldiers picked me up in their arms and would get cherries for me from the trees and allow us to eat cherries and allow me to take cherries in to my uncle, to my mom and to the other people. Now, let me explain something to you. This was highly unusual because they do not care if you're a child, if you're pregnant, if you're a man, if you're a woman, they kill anybody that comes on the border. The wolf dogs that were there circling us, they, they encircled me for over an hour, breathing on me. They are literally trained that you are their meal. These soldiers, if one person escapes, what they do to these soldiers, they beat them severely like they do with the dogs. They keep them outside in the rain. They take away every privilege for them to go visit their family. So in a sense, they program these soldiers with these soldiers with so much hate for anybody that would try to escape that when a person actually, when they capture somebody that tries to escape, they literally, uh, uh, they either shoot them or they beat them or they maim them or they kill them. So we were very aware. I mean, they didn't care. You know, we heard all the time that a pregnant woman, you know, got killed, uh, both her and their children, her children. So for them to open the door, their whole attitude, Dr. Sala, completely shifted. And if I would get into the whole story, you would, your viewers probably would understand even more how amazing um, what, what I'm describing is. So at one point after they allowed um, after they picked me up, you understand? These same soldiers that were ready to kill us became so full of love and compassion and caring that they actually would climb the cherry trees to get me cherries and allow my brother to climb the, the, the cherry trees. Now, in that time, a major came. He came and he called my mom in the office. And this major that came, he is a major in the Securitate. Now, the Securitate is like the CIA. They deal with state secrets. They don't really mess around with people that attempt to escape 
with defectors unless there is a reason for them to get involved. But in your typical um, attempted attempt to escape, they don't get involved. Who is in charge of that is the border patrol and the lieutenant of that particular border office where these people were captured. Now, Dr. Sala, here is this major uh, from the Department of the Securitate that had a special function, meaning he dealt with special cases. He drove three and a half hours from his house. He called my mom in the office and this is what he said to her. He said, Ms. Tons, I wanna tell you something. I got a phone call early this morning, probably three or four in the morning. And he said, and I was told that the wolf dogs sent somebody on the border. Then I got another phone call and I was told that you were captured in a group of nine people. He said, I told them to let you rot, in, to let you rot over there. Listen, this is important. And then he said, then I got another phone call and I wrote down exactly what uh, my parents related to me. He said, then I got another phone call and I knew that I had to get up. I was not given any peace. I had to get up. I had to get dressed and I had to get you and your children out of there to not even let you spend there one night and take you back to the place where you left from. Now, Dr. Sarah, this does not happen. A major from the Securitate Department that has a special function to leave his home, his bed, and say that I had to, because of a phone call that he received, to get you and your children out of here, to take you back where you came from, that does not happen. Now, Dr. Sala, yes, I know God, divine source was in control of, of all of this, but I just wanna tell you that we were the only ones that were dropped off at my grandmother's house. The rest of the group were taken to prison. Now, um, some... before you go on, I, I just I just wanted to kind of like make some connection here, which I think is very relevant, because after that first escape attempt, uh, your brother, your older brother, was asked to write about you in particular to someone within the uh, Romanian intelligence service, even though your family wasn't detected. I mean, your father escaped during that first attempt, but the rest of the family returned, mm -hmm. and and with the other couple, I, I, I presume, yes. to your to your home. And but Romanian intelligence, the Securitate, uh, was aware of the escape attempt, or, or at the very least, when your brother said, "You know, we tried to escape." Nothing happened. So that showed that the Securitate were very interested in your family. And uh, yeah, and I can confirm that the communist regimes in, in dealing with dissidents, uh, they, they could be ruthless. Um, in fact, I actually have a very similar background. Um, my, my father was a, a political refugee from communist Albania mm. and he escaped into Yugoslavia. And he, the things he described are very similar to what you described. Uh, but they can be ruthless with yeah. people. And the fact that you your family was not maltreated is very significant. It meant that there were people within the Romanian intelligence community that said, you know, this family has something very special that we are monitoring. And you seem to be the person of interest that allowed your family to continue to 
you know, flourish, even though your father had escaped. The Romanian intelligence community knew about your father's escape, but they didn't harass your family. You weren't all imprisoned, put into concentration camps, because yeah. that was the standard process for communist regimes in that part of the world. So then, so then, um, and then you have this second attempt where you're part of the group of nine. Um, you and your family are separated because this major with the Sukuritate intervenes when the border patrol, otherwise they would have just done horrible things uh, to you and your family. So, yeah, I just wanted to provide that context because I think it's, it's very important to be clear that someone within the inter Romanian intelligence mm -hmm. community was very interested in you in particular, and because of that, your entire family was 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 allowed to continue to live a normal well uh, live as normal as they could I, I know your father had escaped but you, you were returned back to your home and given a certain degree of protection yes yeah you're so right and dr Sella, this is what i feel i don't know but what i feel is that there were like i was telling you at the beginning that there were two different if i can call them entities departments one of them wanted to, ca to cause harm the other one was there to protect so I feel that this phone call that this uh, major received was from somebody that may have been higher than him telling him because his first response was to my mom. I told them then the lieutenant that was in charge of the border patrol where we were captured to let you rot in hell. I didn't care. So this phone call that he received put him in such a state of I needed to get up. I needed to get dressed and I knew I needed to pick you up and your children and take you back to where you came from for our protection. So somebody was twisting his arm, if you will, to get him to do, to protect us. Now, Dr. Sala, not only that, but they took, they, meaning the, the Lieutenant from the border patrol took all the money, not only from my mom, from everybody, right? Cause that was the, the standard. Um, and when the major was talking to my mom, called her in his in that office. Before my mom turned to leave, he said Miss Taunts, and he gave her back all her money. Now, Dr. Sala, this is not done. This is just not normal. So not only that, they drop us off, they, the major, drop us off at my grandmother's house. And the rest of the team, sadly, including women, they're taken to prison. Now, my mom, all, including my, my uncle, they all had to do prison time. The women, which were, there were two other women in the, in the group, they were sentenced to hard labor. Now, my mom, she was sentenced to a harsher, um, harsher uh, um, labor to pay the punishment for us three children. So she was sentenced, and when we went to the court, the whole courthouse was packed. I mean, people were talking about it in the bus stations, train stations, because they heard about this case, because it was so, so supernatural. And, um, and a case like this was not really heard in Romania. So um, the judge basically threw the book at my mom, and he, he sentenced her for hard labor, to pay the price for us also as children. So my mom ha would have had to do labor about 10 to 14 hours each day. Now, Dr. Sala, everybody else showed up. My, my uncle, the guys were in prison. The women showed up to work to fulfill their sentence. 
my mom is still not being called to fulfill her sentence. During the exact same time, Dr. Salam, my grandmother encourages my mom to go and put file the paperwork for her to receive the passport. Now, let me draw you the picture because you know with your father escaping communism, how stupid and crazy it sounds, right? So here you are, you're captured, your cases are throughout Romania and you are waiting to be called to serve your sentence and you dare to go to the government and put the paperwork for you to receive your passport so that you can go to America to be reunited with your husband that escaped. But my mom went. Listen to what I'm telling you. She went to the passport office in Timisoara. And when she went in there, the chief, which were very highly governmental officials of the passport office, came to my mom. And my mom said, you know, Mr. So-and-so, I would like to file the papers to come for, for my passport, but I am under arrest. I'm waiting for my sentence to be served, for me to serve my sentence. The guy looks at my mom, the chief of this passport department, looks at my mom and he says, Miss Tons, file your paperwork and don't keep coming, wasting your time to check because I'm telling you, I promise, that you and your children will leave Romania and you will be reunited with your husband. Now, Dr. Sala, that does not happen. So we were waiting for this huge miracle. What was the prayer of the miracle that we were all praying for? That Ceausescu would release a pardon, which never happened. That our passport, now let me explain to you the situation with passports. My aunt and uncle waited 10 years between the first time they filed their paper for the passport and the day when they received their passport. 10 years. People waited three, four, five, six, 10, 15 years to receive their passport. So this is what had happened, Dr. Sala. My mom was still not called to serve her sentence. One morning I wake up, I'm making it really short here. One morning I wake up in my grandmother's house with excitement in the house. My cousins come shaking me. I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? Ceausescu gave a pardon. Karina Ceausescu gave a pardon. And on that day, Dr. Salam, my mom was called to the, um, the courthouse, the big courthouse in uh, Timisoara, in the center. And she went before a, um, um, I'm not sure, I don't remember if he was a, a, a lieutenant or actually I think he was a major, but I need to ask to get clarification for this. And the guy set my mom down and he said, Miss Tantz, do you know why you were not called to, to serve your sentence? And my mom said, why, sir? And he takes out a file. Dr. Sala, my mom's file was attached to a file of a man that's been dead for 25 years. They so happened to find this man's file with my mom's file attached to it on the same day when Ceausescu gave a pardon. And on the same day, the guy... This, this, this officer looks at my mom and he says, and Miss Tons, you are leaving the country. You and your children are protected. You are set free. And he says, go pick up your passport next office. Now, Dr. Sala, this does not happen. Yeah, I mean, that, that is uh, definitely very unusual for communist regimes. I, I, and as I said, my father, he, was, uh, he, had, uh, he had escaped into Yugoslavia and forced to... 
uh, worked for the Yugoslav government. And when he tried to leave for Europe and he tried to escape, he was caught and uh, he was put into, uh, into a prison, into a concentration camp. And he spent a few years in a concentration camp as a, as a dissident and only got out uh, because of uh, the International Committee for the Red Cross intervened on, on his behalf. So, you know, that was the normal treatment for those that tried to escape. So for you, for your family to have two interventions, one was that major with Sukuritate who uh, intervened and took you away from the border patrol that would have uh, abused uh, your, your, your family. And, um, and then the second time with that, with that pardon. Now, you know, this raises the question uh now you know what was it who was behind this now you know one one plausible explanation was that uh there were people in high levels of the romanian intelligence uh that were very interested in you in particular uh and we know from the radu cinema books he identified uh this department zero as a department that was set up to handle uh, people with extraordinary abilities that could help their projects. So was it Department Zero or some some other mysterious force at play here in terms of your, your family being protected and eventually being given um, passports to, to leave Romania? Yeah, it's very interesting because I feel that there was definitely Department Zero involved, but I feel that there were other higher uh, higher powers that were working with Department Zero that... Um, uh, made this happen. We were literally Dr. Sala protected as if in a bubble. Now, you know, when I want to share this also, when I was six years old and I was walking to school, there was, um, um, it was winter time and I was walking and all of a sudden this man came out of nowhere alongside of me. He was dressed in a black coat, black hat. And he said, oh, little girl, your, um, your backpack looks so heavy. Let me help you with it. And um, he grabbed my hand, grabbed the backpack and started walking with me. And when I, we, we, we got near the school, I said, oh, there's, there, there's my school. And he grabbed my hand closer, uh, tighter. And a neighbor came down the street and said, Krina, what are you doing? Your school is over there. And I knew he had a car waiting on the main street. So this is what I'm saying. There have been definitely two different powers at play here. Through the people, I believe one was through the Securitate that were not good. Like, for instance, when I was four years old and we were at the Black Sea, those experiences when I, were, when I was gone, those were good. In other words, those were not bad, um, bad people, bad entities that were working with me. Uh, two years old, bad. I'm not sure about this intelligence officer when I was seven years old. This is the only one I have questions of if he was good or bad. Obviously, when we attempted to escape the second time, the phone call that the major got, the major that um, had special cases received was from somebody good that was trying to protect. Um, the people that were over the passports that concerned my mom were good because I know that now I know I realized that in order for them to protect me, we were supposed to leave the country. We were supposed to leave Romania. Now, uh, I do want to say, Dr. Sella, I um, started going into my memories um, and trying to find out what, what I can remember. And I'm going to share with you right now something because um, I think that you may be, uh, find this a, a very interesting and I think it's important. 
Last year, I had a quantum hypnosis session done, and I was told, I asked, and I was told that I came from a region called Esikora. I had no idea what that was. I, I never heard of it. Um, and I put it on the shelf. So probably uh, about two months ago, I did an ascension, and I asked Divine Creator, please show me what I need to remember for this moment in time. So after I saw me, my timeline and how that looked on vocal cord, I had another memory. And again, I had my two friends with me and they, I love it because they can collaborate because they saw things before I even said it. And when I said it, they were like on the floor because they had seen it. I saw myself and I went inside these mountains and there was, there was a force field there, like a bluish light force field. I was able to go through the force field and I was, I was in this room with a lot of buttons. It was like almost like a, it was like a circular room, a lot of a lot of buttons. And there was a chair and that chair was like a dentist chair, but a little bit wider and um, a little bit wider. And it was quite comfortable. Um, there were beings around me and they did not feel negative at all. I had no fear. Now, Dr. Sala, I started singing. I do sing and I, 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 I do also sing. But anyway, I started singing, but I started singing codes. And as I was singing, I saw um, these uh, light switches, buttons around. Yes, there you go. Turning on. They were all turning on. And all of a sudden, as I looked up, I was in this chair. A portal opened up and I saw the cosmos. Beautiful. I saw it beautiful, different colors of different, different parts of the cosmos. Now, as I was in that chair, these beings, all of a sudden, my DNA was not not tangled up dr sala it was rolled up and all of a sudden they untangled my dna and they pulled strings of my dna and each string had a different color different frequency and they stretched it all the way up through this portal that i was seeing and it was connecting to a star system or a planetary system and there were 24 strings so I had 24 different strings of DNA that were different colors, literally connected to different star systems. And this is when I was told, Karina, Esikora is not a place. It's a group of ancient, 24 ancient elders that are connected with these star systems. And this is where you came. Now, Dr. Salah, I knew nothing of it. And then I found out today I was talking to uh, a dear friend, um, Elena, and she told me about the 24 cedars that are part of the intergalactic confederation that have seeded humanity that are connected to the 24. And uh, apparently Alex Coolier was talking about it. I fell and I fell down and I cried because I have known, I've been told over and over that I am an ancient. And now I couldn't fit that in the Bible, but Dr. Sala, because I'm a Bible researcher, I found it. And even Enoch talks about it. Enoch talks about the seed of the ancient seed or race, the race of the chosen or the, the seed of the chosen, the ancient and the just ones that left, that came from their higher, that, that came from the higher realms, their heaven above, and they came down to mingle and mix with humanity. So I, I found the proof anyway with that. So what I'm trying to say is all of a sudden, as my DNA was activating, um, this this um this space that i was in took off so this is one memory that i cannot collaborate 
with anybody. I can't call my parents and say, hey, what do you think of this? But this is my memory. And because I have walked in the spirit realm, connected with divine creator, connected with Yeshua since I was seven years old and even before then, I know that I know that I know that these memories are true. So, um, well, so with that memory, I mean, uh, I mean, how old is that memory? I mean, you, you mentioned like several days ago, mm -hmm. uh, remembering something. So when, when, when did you have that memory of this, of this chair, this special chair and, and the portal opening and the three beings? Well, when did that happen? This memory that I had was very recent. It was probably back in February or March because I started asking questions. Okay, there's something going on. What? Because I've been told for a while now that there's something about my DNA. There are abilities in my DNA. Um, so I knew that. I could not, and even with my husband, I would tell him many times, baby, I know I can't put this quite in the Bible. I can't put this in the Christianese dogma, but there's something. I am not from here. There's something different. So anyway, so I, I started checking and asking and going in the memories. And this particular memory, um, about January, February, between January and March, no later than that. And it's so, and it keeps coming back and more and more and more. And um, another memory that I had was uh, connected to when I was four years old, when I was actually at the Black Sea, when I mentioned what I saw, Dr. Salah, I saw myself being walking and it was um it was another um another world and it's underneath it's underneath the black sea i knew nothing i don't know i don't know anything of any cities being underneath constanza where the black sea is now what i did see that i was walking on um sand that was black sand but it was fine it was ex extremely fine fine sand but it was um, uh, black. It was whatever you call that, that stone that is black. I can't think right now. So I'm getting these memories. Oh, and I want to mention this also because I know it's connected to all of these things that I'm remembering now. When I was uh, 2009, I took a team to Romania. We were going to go to, um, um, to Vlad Tepes' hometown. We had some, you know, uh, assignments to do there. I'm talking about spiritual assignments to do there. And on the way there, Dr. Sala, we stopped at Hunadwara Castle. Now, Hunadwara Castle is Matej Korvin's castle. It was built in the 15th uh, century, uh, one of the most beautiful uh, castles um, supposedly throughout Europe. Um, and, um, and, you know, we just stopped to kind of stretch our legs and get back in the car and go to our destination. And Dr. Sella, we, we, the, they were closing the castle. They were closing the, um, um, uh, the tour, the tour. So the guy said, just run in and run out. We literally ran in. I don't, I don't know anything about Tunadwara Castle, Matej Corvin's castle. I knew nothing. Uh, quite honestly, I didn't care at that moment in time because I had an assignment. Dr. Sella, we come out, of, we come outside the castle. Me and my team are in a circle. We're talking before we get in the van. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, a tiny, short, little gentleman approaches out of nowhere, Dr. Sala, like he materialized, comes literally in between us, in between us, the circle, with a huge skeleton key in his hand and a seal in his hand, does not say a word, comes directly to me, 
Now, for anybody that knows me, knows that I would have asked a gazillion questions like, who are you and what is this? And why are you giving it to me? Is this mine? What does this pertain to? Something came over both of me and the whole team that was there to where we did not have the ability to process or ask any questions. Dr. Salah, all I was able to do, I stretch my hands out like this. He puts the key and that seal in my hand. My dear friends, that's part of the team, takes pictures. Thank God their brain worked that much. Takes pictures. He looks at me. I put it back in his hand. And he walks out. The moment he walked out of the circle, Dr. Salah, our minds came too. And I looked to the team. And I was like, what is that? The moment I looked back, he demit He was not there. It's almost like he either shifted dimensions or dematerialized. Now, this was flesh and blood. This was not a vision. This was not an apparition. This was a literal flesh and blood. I wish I can see clear what is on that seal because I think very much it's connected. And somehow, Dr. Sala, I feel it's connected to the Buchej Mountains. I feel it's connected to whatever I did in that memory. Um, um, and come to find out, I did some research and I also asked my dad, the Hunadwara Castle is uh, located in the Carpathian Mountains that is more connected with the Apusen Mountains, which are very much a key of uh, the Transylvania book series also. So there are so many pieces, Dr. Salad, that are, and memories that are here and here and here and here. Yeah, well, let's let's try and get a little bit of kind of like um, a clarity as to when these experiences happen. Now, I mean, you, you talk about uh, the, the city of, of Tom, like the underground city. Yes. And and then you talk about this um, man approaching you when you're there in uh, Romania with the team, and you're given this key. Was there was the are the are those incidents or memories connected in some way? I don't know. I don't know. This one with the the city under Constanza, um, that's a memory that I started having of what may have what happened to me in one of those days when I was lost. Uh, when we were at the Black Sea. So as you can see, Constanza right there, and right there is the Black Sea. So yes. Um, and among, um, and actually we went to one of the cities when I was lost. It was called Mangalia uh, at the Black Sea. So what I knew in the memory that I had when I was four years old is that I went to a city that was underneath. I did not know anything about any city being underneath. So I started doing some research and then I saw this picture that you had. And of course I freaked in a good way. Like, you know, so that's for one day when I was missing, when I was lost, when I was four years old, that particular memory with the city. Okay. So, so, so that's just to clarify for people, uh, you know, that image is from the Radu cinema book that, that shows the underground cities uh, beneath uh, Romania and so when you were four years old and you disappeared for a period of time, uh, you saw this image and yeah. somehow that triggered a recollection or knowledge that you were there at that. That's when you disappeared near the Black Sea. Yes, correct. And I'm seeing on the on this picture that you have the Apusen Mountain, which is very interesting because... Um, well, they are a big region. So the the where uh, Hunadwara is on the map connected to on the map with Romania is um, up on the western western side of Romania, 
um, a little bit in the middle, not quite. That's where Hunadwara is. But it's interesting because the Apusen Mountain is connect is very close to Hunadwara Castle, where this gentleman came in 2009 um, uh, and put the key in my, in my hand and that seal. So somehow they're all connected. Okay, so in 2009, when you saw that uh, that gentleman, that older gentleman, I mean, uh, you're, you're obviously living in the United States, you're an adult, um, and, and you're there, he gives you this key, and now it has inscriptions on it. I mean, uh, it has some kind of, uh, the, the actual seal uh, looks like hieroglyphs or something. Identify any of those symbols on that seal? No, no, I've tried, and I've tried, I've tried to ask you know, people that know what they're doing. I've tried to look. Um, my son, that is, he's uh, doing computers in school right now in college. I've tried, he downloaded a program to try to find it. You know, I think I have an image in my head and that's all I'm seeing. So I don't want to be based on because I've already formed a thought of what it is. Um, but it's definitely something. And again, that's what I'm saying. People that know me would realize that I'd be like, what is that? Sir, who are you? Can I look at that? But the fact that all of our abilities to think or to process any sort of any sort of thought process was taken, I know that lets me know that it was not time for me to see that or to understand that. But there's they're all connected, Dr. Sala. This was in the physical. This was not a vision, and I wasn't the only one that saw this 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 person. He almost looked like um um a a. Uh, peasant that was dressed you know in like these um old tiny jackets when they would go to the market or when they would go to the square on sunday very sweet thin white hair gentleman short maybe four four nine maybe five feet tall very sweet kind presence very thin um and you know i this has been a mystery for me trying to find out what it is but somehow they're all connected, Dr. Salah. The, uh, the Apusen, I mean, the Buches, the Apusen Mountains, uh, my DNA, uh, the cosmic, the 24 star systems, uh, it's somehow, it's all connected. And I'm trying to figure out exactly how they all play together, how they all work together. Uh, yeah, now one of the things in your story that uh, you, you didn't explain, and maybe you can tell us now, is uh, when and did you actually uh, leave Romania? Uh, was it before or after the collapse of the communist regime there? It was before. So we left um, August of 1983. This is when we were able to leave. Um, uh, so it was before because uh, the fall happened in, what, 89, I believe. And it started from Timisoara, my, home, my hometown. So, yes, we, we arrived in the U.S. August of 1983. Okay, so that's very interesting. So uh, this is uh, 1983. Your, your family is allowed to join your father in the United States after the intervention of this uh, major in the Romanian intelligence service. So what allowed... what? Do you think made them do that? Because I mean, if you, if they have identified you as a as a person of uh, exceptional abilities, as someone of interest, the Romanian intelligence service. I mean, why would they let you go? I mean, yeah, are, are we talking about some other force other than uh, the intelligence community intervening? So, from what I understand, is the Securitate Department 
is different than the branch of the intelligence department. Yes, the Securitata has their own intelligence, but then there is another branch of intelligence that does not answer to the Securitate. So I am not sure if this branch answered to Department Zero or um, I'm not I'm not sure. I what I feel very strongly, and even my parents agreed, is that there were powers that be in the government that wanted to make sure that we get out of the country. Maybe had I not we had we not gone out of the country, um my life would have been different and I would not be able to do what I'm doing right now. Um, for sure, for sure, I would not be able to do what I'm doing right now. And maybe I would not uh, be able to, um, I don't know, I know that there's something at play here. I know for positively that part of the plan of the good ones to protect me and my family was to get us out of Romania. I don't know what would have awaited for us in Romania. I'm not sure when the three-digit uh, American um, powers entered in Romania and how they're connected to do horrible experiences. Um, you know, the, the three-letter organization, I'm not sure um, when they came in Romania. I did hear that they did come in Romania and were functioning around the Black Sea um, early, uh, sorry, late 60s, early 70s. So I believe if that's the case, when I was taken the first time, uh, when I was two years old from the nursery to the Black Sea, they, um, the, the, they maybe the evil ones that maybe are connected with this three-letter organization um, were part of that. And there is another branch that uh, is not evil and they are the ones that I believe wanted us out of Romania for my protection. Okay, so there's a connection here to the Bujaji Mountains. Now, we know that the Bujaji Mountains, uh, the discovery there, the Hall of Records, uh, that was uh, made uh, some t uh, well, 2003 was when uh, they were discovered according to the Transylvania book series mm -hmm. right there um, in the kind of like in the central region uh, of Romania along that Carpathian yes. mountain range that uh, you, you have the Bujaji discovery, the Hall of Records. And the American intelligence uh, community uh, began working with the Romanian intelligence community. And uh, uh, shortly after that, uh, Romania is fast-tracked into NATO. And so the Hall of Records was a, a very important discovery that kind of like uh, as far as the U.S. intelligence community was uh, important enough to get the Romanian, uh, the nation, uh, fast-tracked into NATO. Yeah. So, you know, I know you mentioned uh, some connection to the Hall of Records. You, you mentioned the, the the chair. You mentioned uh, some kind of frequency shield. Now, mm -hmm. I mean, that's interesting yeah. because uh, Radu Cinema in his books describes this frequency shield that uh, Caesar Brad had to first go through to be able to kind of uh, get access to the Hall of Records. So, yeah, mm -hmm. any more information about the Bujeji Mountains, uh, you know, given your experiences and your background there? Yeah, um, I don't have any more information right now. I mean, there's I'm getting memories that are coming in, so I'd like to keep that until I get more pieces of it coming together so I can have a fuller picture. 
there's definitely something there, Dr. Sala. There's definitely um, um, memories that are coming, and I would love to at some point come back and maybe share those particular memories. Um, but absolutely, like when I went on that chair, there was a force field. That was there was a force field there, and it was a very like a blue force field, and I was able to go through it. So, um, and I know it's connected to my DNA. I know that these particular kind of um, the hall of records or these these particular chairs are connected to specific DNA. And so, um, yeah, this is this is what I can share for now, because you know memories are still coming in. I'm in. I'm literally in the process of uh, waking up and getting all these memories uh, pieced together, and they're coming in pretty fast. They're coming in like you know weekly. Like like I said, all these memories have come in since um, you know gen between January to through March, and they're still coming in. So it's. I am on such a quest for truth because this is my thing, Dr. Sala. The more I can awaken into this truth, the more I can help others because there are so many, I'm just going to talk about the Christian leaders that, or the Christians per se, and, and also leaders, Dr. Sala, that are having memories. They are having memories of different life uh, lifetimes. They're having memories of things that you cannot, they don't hear from the pulpit. They cannot find in the Bible. And if they go to try to speak to others, other leaders, they're even either told that they are demonized, that they need demonic deliverance, or that they've lost their mind. So then you wonder why you have Christians and, and more particular Christian leaders taking their life because they don't know what to do with these memories that are coming. So my desire is always, that's why I have, you know, the quest for truth, Hidden Mysteries TV, because we have to start waking up breaking outside the fear, the programming of fear, control, and manipulation that religion has put us in, limiting us, limiting our uh, uh, limiting our ability and our authority and our knowing of who we, who we really, really is, binding us in this control box where they tell us what to think, who we are, who we're not, what we can do, and what we can do. So Dr. Salah, I myself am on such a journey, a heaven on a journey, of the quest for truth so that I can awaken and then I can help. I can help whosoever chooses because there are people out there that are getting memories that are waking up and they don't know what to do with it. So this is what I'm doing. Well, I think that's very important work. I know, I know that uh, these kinds of uh, uh, DNA uh, abilities that uh, some people have to be able to access certain places is something that's very highly sought after by the intelligence community. Uh, people have innate uh, gifts because of their D DNA, because of their genetics. Yes. And unfortunately, some religions try to suppress that. Uh, and, and I know from your books that you are trying to activate yes. people to you know, gain access to those abilities. Now, um, I, I know that uh, there's a lot more material for us to kind of like uh, go over in terms of your kind of like a spiritual background, your mm -hmm. uh, exposure to some secret teachings, the order of Melchizedek. Yeah. Um, and and I, I know that you have a lot to say about uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament and in terms of the deity. So, you know, be, before we kind of finish this interview, um, is, is there anything you want to kind of like um, say that might connect your, your background, your very unusual background with the kind of work you're doing now? Yeah, you know, uh, what I want to say is to everybody watching, 
we are all special. Nobody is above anybody. You're just as special as the next person. We have just been asleep. We have been under a spiritual amnesia where we did not remember who we are and whose we are. And if you do not know whose you are, you will never know who you personally are because you can only go as far up into who you are as the image that you have of a creator or, or of a father. So I want to encourage each and every one of you, you are special. You have power that's inside your DNA. You are not a slave. You are not a victim. You are a victor. There is something so powerful in your DNA that's waiting for you to activate it. It's waiting for you to remember. So I encourage you, anything that comes out of fear, do not listen to it. Anything that comes out of control, do not listen to it. But everything that comes out of love, listen, a fearless man gets out of the prison. Though with caution, he escapes the prison. A fearful man, though you open the door of that prison, he will stay inside that prison because fear controls him. So I encourage you, do not give in to fear. And another thing I want to encourage you, do not give in to this unity. Unite in love. Step into that power that always tells you what you can do. Don't listen to the voices that tells you what you can't do. The word can't should not even be part of our vocabulary because I can do all things through the Christ anointing, the power that divine creator has put in me. And you guys, there is no limits to what you can do. The sky is not even the limit. So I encourage you to seek, knock and ask, because let me tell you something. The age of apocalypse is here and it does not mean doom gloom. Yes, can, it, can that be part of it? For the ones that look to it, because whatever you look to, you multiply. Whatever you look to becomes the source of your supply. So if you look at the apocalypse as doom, gloom, and destruction, you are creating that because you are a creator. You have the power to create in you. But if you look at the word apocalypse, what it really means, apocalypse means the great revealing. You guys, this is a time and a season when this being, the spirit of truth is here, waiting to reveal to you truth that has been hidden for ages. And even the Bible says even from angels, but waiting for you to engage in it, but it's your choice. So if you choose to walk your path of your quest for truth, you guys, there is nothing that can stop you but you yourself by engaging in fear. So I encourage you, be bold, be fearless, and walk your path for the quest of truth. And remember who you are because you are great, you are powerful, you are mighty, and there's nothing that you cannot do when you set your heart, your desire, and your mind to it. So I bless you guys. Dr. Sala, I can't hear you. There you go. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I just want to thank you, Karina, for, for sharing uh, that information about your background and for telling us uh, a little bit about uh, the, the kind of spiritual uh, wisdom that you've accumulated, your understanding of, of how each individual can play a special role in what lies ahead. 
I'm looking forward to talking to you again about uh, some of the, the spiritual teachings, especially the, the Order of Melchizedek, the Book of Enoch, how that kind of relates to our understanding of Yahweh, the, yeah. uh, the, the Demi-Urge, and uh, the true uh, Christ teachings. So these are things we can talk about in our next interview and maybe relate all that to what you know of the cedars and how mm -hmm. that pertains to this big picture. So again, thank you very much. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you, Dr. Sal, for having me. I so appreciate it. Thank you. You have been listening to ExoPolitics today with Dr. Michael Sala. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to this channel. Join or start a conversation in the comments. Take the time to explore the vast library of best-selling books, webinars, and podcasts by Dr. Sala. Visit exopoliticstoday.com.